When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. Welcome to Crime Wire, a program dedicated to bringing attention to unsolved crimes and educating the public about various types of crimes and how to avoid becoming a victim. If you'd like to submit a case to Crime Wire or suggest a topic for a future show, please email us at thenewcrimewire at gmail.com. My name is Denny Griffin, and on today's show, my co-host Delilah Jones and I are going to talk with Patricia Caristo. Pat is a licensed private investigator in New Mexico and was a consultant to the original Crime Wire show. She is currently the executive director at the Resource Center for Victims of Violent Death with headquarters in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Pat, it's a pleasure to welcome an old friend back to Crime Wire. Thank you. Uh, I've read your, your organization's brochure and flyer, and I visited the website, and I have to say that I'm very impressed with the services you offer, which, unfortunately, are very much needed when the tragedy of sudden violent death strikes. Before we get into what you do, why don't you tell us about whom you provide assistance to and under what circumstances they come to you for help? Uh, perhaps you can begin by providing our listeners with your organization's mission statement. Thank you, Denny. Um, we serve the many living victims. Uh, of course, the victim of homicide is dead, um, but there are living victims, and, and we estimate that there's a minimum of 10 directly affected people for every murdered person. So we serve the many living victims dealing in the forever aftermath of a violent death. Their families, loved ones, neighbors, coworkers, schoolmates, and the community. Um, we provide availability. That seems like a casual word, but there's no one else to go to, so we are here. We provide information, advocacy, referral, education. We try to be a bridge uh, in the gaps of services to victims. Well, I think this is a much-needed uh, resource and, and because uh, oftentimes after the after the initial crime has happened and, and going to court or whatever, it seems that we we tend to forget that there are surviving victims of this crime that also need help and and 
advocacy like you're able to provide. So I, I commend you for um, starting this service. I didn't exactly start it, Delilah, and thank you for your compliment, and I appreciate that you recognize what these families have to go through. Um, I was in law enforcement, and then after law enforcement was a private investigator, started doing some work on unsolved homicide cases, and that's how I got to know uh, Denny. And um, realizing that in unsolved cases, families can't afford the the costs of long-term investigation. So we started doing that at no cost to them. And uh, in that role, I volunteered at the uh, Survivors of Homicide organization that was in existence for a couple of years. They went out of business, the lack of funds, lack of support. And in 2012, I and a former member of that other organization Uh, created the Resource Center for Victims of Violent Death to follow up on that need. Pat, let me just clarify something or ask you to clarify something for me. Um, We're referring to violent death, and I'm assuming we're talking primarily homicide, but for example, if, if someone called you and said, my child was just killed in an automobile accident, what do I do? Who do I have to notify, or what? What do I have to do? Would Would you deal with people like that, or is it strictly from homage from criminal uh, activity? Actually, we we serve a variety of people with information and referral, but our agency actually carries as clients those who are families were lost to murder. Uh, attempted homicide that's a group of people that are not served by anyone and they're not dead for any reason except that the offender failed and they went through all of the crisis and fear and aftermath so we serve uh, we serve them there's families who question what has been determined as a suicide and they believe it's something more we will help that group of families and then there's that category from the medical investigators that's called undetermined death, where no one knows exactly what happened. Again, those people are left with no one to go to, and uh, we will serve that group of people. There are funds available for families of crime, and and so they have a little bit of a a category where they must meet certain criteria and it has to be death by a crime but our agency opens up our umbrella to help anyone with questions about death and violence it's uh, you're talking about did uh, homicide uh, yeah, that is kind of a you know a forgotten group. I, I, I would think that uh, they've gone through a lot of the stress and strain of the you know of uh, an actual murder uh, that didn't quite get there, but was attempted. So I, I hadn't thought about that until you just mentioned it. But yeah, that is. Uh, do you do you do quite a bit with with those with those types of clients? Uh, you know, from the attempted homicide standpoint. We have some attempted homicides. Most people don't know that there are services that exist for them. 
and they may end up going to private uh, agencies for counseling, that kind of thing. Uh, but very few people know there are agencies that exist as part of the problem of trying to get the information out <clears throat> that we exist and there are people who actually can help. Did, I'm I'm curious. I don't know what your opinion. I I have an opinion on this, but I'll, I'd like to ask you this question. Um, generally speaking, how prepared are the survivors? Of a, of a homicide, a violent death, to deal with the situation at the time they received the phone call or the in-person notification their loved one is dead? Or what is the percentage that you might think of people who, who would kind of know exactly what to do and, and how to do it? Uh, I'm, I, my opinion is that it would be very low, but I'd like to hear what you think. Uh, my answer would have been zero. So <laughs> it... No one is prepared for that, and and okay. <laughs> it, it, it's no one is prepared, and they're not prepared for what they have to go through uh, it, after this happens. They have to deal with the loss, what that, how that affects the family, uh, how how that affects their lives. But then they get into the criminal justice system, which they have no idea what that entails. And in, and they have no idea that they are forgotten person in the criminal justice system. The victim has very little role. Of course, the deceased victim uh, can't participate, but the families who are called victims have no role. And, and when you you look at the 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 crime statute, or not the statute, but the um, I lost my word for what it is, but the case is the state of versus <laughs> the offender. There is nowhere where you ever know the name of the victims, and that's one of my biggest problems. Everybody knows the name of offenders. They never know the name of victims. And I actually have a a, a desire and, and a plan to perhaps have that state, cap, that caption, the state, Versus to say the state on behalf of and name the victim against John Doe. Uh, however, that won't happen, but people need to know that there was someone, and actually many, many someones, but no one is prepared. And if you have time for a short two minutes, I'll tell you how unprepared I was when the knock at the door came to my door. And that's one Certainly. of my biggest pet peeves, Pat. And you know, before you tell your your story, I think you're you've absolutely hit the nail on the head within not only within the law enforcement agencies, but our media. Our media has gone to the point of making a lot of these criminals into pop culture icons, and it, it's disgusting that the victim you you can't recall the names of a victim of a serial killer. You're absolutely right. Now, some of that was for very good reason, uh, and 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 I am a, a a proponent of the criminal justice system. I'm a proponent of all our system. The, the laws were written. There's purpose that an accused should be uh, 
innocent until proven guilty is important, and I'm not trying to challenge that. But in trying to protect the accused, we end up accidentally, uh, with unintended consequences, leaving out the victim. Uh, because they are the victim and perhaps a witness somewhere along in the court trial system, which could take years. They're not allowed to know anything because they may be called as a witness. So all they know is somebody was killed, somebody did it, but they're not allowed to know anything about the case. And I think I just wandered off your subject. I'm sorry. Pat, you were going to tell us uh, your story and, and uh, what happened when you had the knock on the door? Uh, it's about being prepared. You ask me how many I'm telling you people are not prepared. I have been in the law enforcement system, I don't know, for a billion years. And a couple of years ago, uh, and always it's in the middle of the night, there was a knock at my door and I opened the door, and there were two uniformed police officers there, and even though I was the uniformed police officer, they startled me, and I was immediately discomforted and fearful that something had happened to one of my children. And then I noticed that the second uniformed officer had the word chaplain on their uniform, and now I know that this is something. And I am panicking, not not intelligent or prepared at all. So you open the door, and I'm waiting for them to tell me that something happened to my children, and then they said that they were telling me that my brother was found dead, unattended death in his apartment. Well, I was devastated. I knew I didn't know where to go, what to do. I wanted to grab on to those officers. I wanted them to hold me and comfort me. I I couldn't even think of the question to ask. And and to make the long story short, after they did what they needed to do, and they handed me a piece of paper that said, these are the resources that are available to you. And when I opened up the paper, guess whose name was inside that paper as a resource to me? Me. And I wasn't able to be a resource for anybody. It It is... It takes your breath away. It it starts a chain of thinking that is out of control. You don't know what to do, where to go, how did this happen, what do I do, should I be afraid, what do I do, and then you have to go to sleep if you can. Then the next day you have to get up and there are people who need you and you are a wreck, and then you may have to go identify uh, remains, and then you have to deal with the system. It is a, an impact that no one can understand. And, and that knock at the door a couple of years ago made me realize you can't be prepared for this. Uh, uh, yeah, you're you're certainly right. I went through uh, a, a similar experience as you, and uh, you know I was working as a deputy county sheriff and uh, one day one of my co-workers in uniform accompanied by a state trooper uh, came to my door and I knew like you know right away the stomach started churning because I knew something something wasn't right uh, anyway uh, I'd like to Pat if it's okay would you read from your flyer regarding some of the things 
that occur uh, when that notification comes. Uh, is that okay? Sure. You're going to do that, not me, right? Yes. Go no, good. Um, good. We start out with that uh, you were notified of the violent death of a loved one. Uh, as you just mentioned, you're in immediate shock, stress, and perhaps fear. And at that point, your whole life kind of changes. Your role and your responsibilities change. Law enforcement will enter your life and possibly the media. So uh, you're, you're going, in addition to dealing with the death itself, you're, you're going to have uh, law enforcement probably wanting to interview you and, and, and get information and so forth. And then uh, in most cases, when there's a, a homicide, the media uh, descends on you. Uh, it kind of enwrap. I mean, this stuff's all going to happen quickly. You're going to be faced with these things. Uh, as you just mentioned, you or someone close may have to make an identification of the victim. Um you have to notify the family, work, school, and so forth. There are immediate financial issues, change in or lack of income, new and unexpected costs, you might, uh, safety, vehicle, housing, burial, funeral, medical costs. I mean, all those things come into the play. Grief will set in, and the shock protected your mind, and now all the tasks you had to do have been done. You must return work, school, or find a job and still continue caring for others. Uh, at some point, hopefully, an arrest would be made. Uh, law, enforcement is back, law enforcement is back in your life again. Uh, holidays, birthdays, anniversaries, and so forth, uh, they renew the, the trauma and grief all over again. Ongoing involvement with the law enforcement, the DA, media court, a trial, which could not occur for years, uh, are you going to get justice or not? Uh, grief and loss is still ongoing, and there can be secondary losses, life changes, divorce, suicide, and so forth. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that, that's that's a lot to have on your plate, and as indicated, it, it can go on for years. It isn't something that's over in a day or a week or two weeks. And I don't know about you, Pat, but I, I'm hesitant anymore to use the term closure. That, that's a common thing that if an arrest is made and a conviction you you suddenly have closure. Uh, my thought is that your loved one is gone forever. Uh, and closure to me means the end, but as mentioned, every holiday, uh, mm-hmm. special dates, the victim's birthday, that type of thing, you get you're going to think about that person, hopefully. And uh, so I, uh, to me, uh, uh, you know, a conviction and, and, and so forth is, is a great thing. And it might be, instead of closure, I like to use the term resolution. It resolves an outstanding issue of who did it and so on and so forth. But uh, I don't know is, is when you're dealing with a loss like that, that there is ever actual closure. What, what, do, you, what do you think? Oh, absolutely, and families hate the word closure because there is no closure. And they also don't want the closure of their loved one because even though they're gone, they're still part of their life. They're still part of their family. And so, and, and that's part of the interesting thing that happens. People get afraid to mention the name of the loved one who has, has died because they don't want to upset the family. And and then, therefore, there are so many continued losses. 
uh, one of the things that we say is how you can help is remember them. Help the family remember. And are they going to weep? Certainly. But then they're also going to smile, too, when they remember that special part of them. So don't not talk about them. Uh, ask about them. Remember them. Uh, but but we, we, we don't know how to deal with this, and and we tend to want to make it go away. And when we see a family member cry, we say, oh, don't cry. Uh, they need to cry. They need to get that out. We have a, a wonderful poster in our office, which is pictures and the, and the chemical compound of four kinds of tears, the tears from peeling an onion, uh, the tears, tears from uh, watching a movie, uh, you know, a love story, that kind of thing. Uh, the tears of grief have a different chemical composition, and they are toxic, and they need to be released, else they build up inside. And that's one of the things that people we tell people all the, and give them uh, on top of everything else is water. You need to keep drinking water because all of that chemical grief makes you sick and so the the water helps flush out and tears are good and the tears make you uncomfortable but be uncomfortable with that family for that moment and then let them come back to accepting that it's okay why should we not be sad when we've lost somebody very important to us. It seems counterintuitive. Oh, don't be sad. Well, certainly they're going to be sad. And birthdays and holidays and when there's violent death that comes on TV, which is every minute and a half anymore, all of that comes back for them. They are constantly re-victimized, is for want of a better word. But, Pat, do, do the local authorities or local police departments, do uh, when they're making a notification uh, like this, do they have your agency's information that, that they can pass on? Or how, how do people uh, find out about you? Uh, you know, are, are there various means where, where they would be aware that your agency exists? We try to make our information available through many forms. At funeral homes, they have our brochures. The Office of Medical Investigator will give out our information. Uh, the the chaplain's uh, group from the police department, not all police departments, not all people look towards outside agencies for helping, but uh, our names are in the chaplain's handout. Um, and we make public Speech, speaking arrangements uh, with groups, community groups, that kind of thing, to try to let them know that we are available. But uh, everybody says the same thing. Oh, I didn't know you existed. Um, how old, or maybe that's not the right word, how long after a death would your agency get involved or be willing to? In other words, if, if somebody, you know, the victims don't hear about you right away or they just show up in a tough and then say, wait a minute, this isn't working, I, I, I can't do this. Uh, how, how long after the death could your agency get involved and, and be effective? We 
can be involved from day two. Very rarely are we ever involved in day one, however that has happened. But from day two through ten years later, something occurs later that makes the family member, loved one, uh, friend realize that they did not deal with it and all of a sudden something else came up and and, and we help at whatever stage. Uh, again, you were right when you said that it never goes away and sometimes it's just sitting there uh, and then something else may trigger it. So we we go from beginning to as long as people might need help. Um, the, the Now you're located headquartered in Albuquerque. Uh, do you handle only Albuquerque or New Mexico? Uh, I'm going to use the term client. Maybe that's not the right word, but... Uh, uh, or or do you uh, deal with out-of-state, uh, exactly who could come to you and from where? Actually, that's so interesting because we have families that have contacted us from Ireland, uh, from uh, a country I can't remember that is so foreign to me I can't even remember it, uh, <laughs> to to all around the state, and, and I've I, Apologize. I remember the family, but I forget the country. Uh, but how they heard about us was some online. That the the internet is amazing. Uh, uh, but a, a young man's brother was killed in Ireland and called us. Uh, amazing. Um, in New Mexico, and certainly in the Albuquerque Fork, the counties that are contiguous to Albuquerque, we can help in person. But around the country, uh, and actually around the world, we have helped by mail, email, uh, uh, telephone referrals. We'll find wherever you are, we'll find the closest help to you, uh, where you are, and just be available to have someone to reach out to and ask questions, from the most simple questions to the most complex. So... Uh, just because someone lives outside of New Mexico, uh, they sh- they still should be comfortable in calling your organization uh, for possible you know referrals, referral of resources, and and nationwide, uh, uh, Pat, w- is there a lot? Are there a lot of similar organizations, or is it uh, uh, not resource rich? It was amazing to me that. Our agency uh, is the only such agency in the state of New Mexico. Well, that was okay with me. But then when we tried to reach out and and coordinate with other agencies across the country, there are actually very few private agencies. Now, within, within states, there may be a state victim advocacy organization and district attorney's offices, but very few private agencies. And... And the one agencies that are involved with state government and, and district attorney's office is only when there's an offender identified. When there is no offender identified, there's no support because the district attorney's office deals with the offender. 
law enforcement deals with the offender. When there's no offender identified, there's no one assigned to that family. And most, many, many homicides are unsolved. And can I take one second that homicide is not a crime. People people need to know that. Homicide, the word actually means the killing of a human. And you can kill a human accidentally, and that's not a crime. In self-defense, it's not a crime. The crime is murder. And um, so when a murder or a criminal act results in death, unless offender is identified, that victim has no resources. Uh, the family, the victim's family has no resources and have very little rights. That's another interesting thing. Uh, there are few rights uh, as a family of a, of a crime. Well, that's, uh, that's kind of a scary thought. I'm, again, most people would not think about that because, fortunately, if they're not involved in that type of situation. But when when you lay it out there like that, it's uh, uh, a little unnerving to me, uh, the, the lack of representation, the lack of resources, and like you say, st- uh, state or government resources, and let's say uh, an offender is named and so forth. Uh, and I... I wonder if that can ever be changed. Well, I suppose anything can be changed, but I wonder what the odds are of ever getting uh, a little more support for the victims. It's interesting that there are support groups for domestic violence, for um, sexual assault, for drunk driving, and a couple of other types of specialized Offenses, And there's a lot of support for those victims. The victim of a murder doesn't have anyone to stand up for them. They're not a, a, a public interest group. It's, it's, it was a phenomenon to me. They're dead and they're gone and nobody even knows their name. One of my clients, and, and Denny knows Donna Gore, um, her father was murdered 30-some yes, years ago. Yes, I remember ago. that case. Yeah, and after after this happened, she was involved in founding Survivors of Homicide in Connecticut. Um, she was one of the founding members. So I, I don't think it reaches outside of the Connecticut area, but um, it's it's one of those things that definitely needs to be everywhere for for people just like you're describing and and people like Donna. Um one of my questions Pat, does your organization do you have the resources to walk the survivors through the court system which can you know be totally revictimizing to any victim of a crime um because of the you know just the way it's set up. Um is is that available through your organization as well and and also help with writing a victim impact statement mhm you're exactly right yes we do go to court of course that's only in the albuquerque and the contiguous area uh, uh jurisdictions um uh, we do go to court with the families our our victim advocate is in court all this week uh, and, and all next week on a case uh, uh, we are not big enough if we had 
five trials going, we couldn't we couldn't support those families. We would be back and forth between between courtrooms, but we do go to court with victims. We do help them write a victim impact statement, um, and we do help them access funds that are available to them through the uh, Crime Victims uh, Act. Um, it's called VOCA Victims of Crime Act. Uh, has funds available, uh, reimbursement uh, for expenses and losses, uh, but that's only when there's been an offender identified and when the families are cooperating with law enforcement. But there are some cases that fall without that. Other than that, those we'll do whatever the family needs, but going to court, yes, and writing the impact statement, yes. I was just thinking, Pat, uh, I, I don't know if you were aware of uh, Donna Gore's group, is... Uh, if not, should would you like her contact information as a resource you could refer people from New England to if you get a call or no? A- absolutely. And what I'd like to do or have been not trying, actively trying, but but thinking about trying and beginning to figure out how I can do that is that all of our victim support agencies collaborate with each other and maybe – in that collaboration, we can get some uh, power is not the word. It's the word that came to my mind. But I don't mean power in a negative sense, but the power of collective services. Um, and and maybe somebody in Connecticut needs to know about us. And, and if you don't know the right words to look for, you can't find people. Like no one would think to look for the victims of violent death. They're they're looking up homicide or murder and it, and if you don't know the right words you don't get to the right place. Perhaps even even a, a collective database, if, you know, if that mm-hmm. was made available, um, whether online on a website on your website, some you know, to pass around to to other groups that there could be a national database that maybe lists by state organizations such as yours and survivors of homicide so that people in that state if they're if they land on your websites for instance and they're somewhere else um, they would at least have a listing of uh, services that are available in their area there is a national group i think it's called the office of victims of crime and I am not at my office. I'm at my home office, and I don't have that right in front of me. Uh, But they have a database, uh, but it's hard to find it, and for me, uh, hard to find. And and you have to know what you're looking for. Um, That's one of the things I'm trying to change um, and, and having some difficulties because of different name uses. Um, murder, homicide, uh, violent death, and and websites are word sensitive. So it, I'm going to work on that. And maybe if people hear this, they can tell me how I can do it better. And certainly you need to have somebody that's under 30 doing this to know how to use all of these tools. <laughs> Once you get past a certain age, you don't know how to do <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. My grandchildren can do it. I have trouble. <laughs> uh, Delilah, do you think uh, 
you could hook uh, Donna and Pat up, maybe they, so they could share their information and so on. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, that that thought's already gone gone through my mind. So yes, I will definitely <laughs> yeah. do that. I, I know that you know Donna would be very um, interested to know and 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 help out if if at all possible. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Uh, the uh, big question now, Pat. You get, uh, let's say, you get a call from uh, from someone who's a, a survivor, uh, whose whose loved one has been murdered, uh, and you do some type of a phone interview or whatever to get the information you need. At what point or how do you determine what to charge these people uh, for your services? I can tell you that right up front. The charge is zero. There zero? is no charge. Zero. There is no charge for our services. Wow. How we can um, accomplish that, that is... it, it, we, our agency, we're still a private investigations agency in, in its origin, and um, I will... I, I don't take cases anymore because they take up more time than I can do because I'm so busy with the other part of it. But I do background checks, especially for nonprofits. Um, and, and with that funding from the, in, the income from doing those background checks, we help self-fund our agency. We also get a grant from the Crime Victims Reparation Commission uh, that allows us to provide direct services it won't <clears throat> it won't help with some things but it helps provide direct services to victims and then we get gifts and donations from people and we'll apply for grants for special kinds of programs that kind of thing but there is never a charge at all to clients that is absolutely astounding in this day and age um uh my hat is off to you for for being in a position and in um, self funding, if you will, and uh, and being able to help these people without them having to come up with a, with with cash to uh, to get access to all the all the services and resources you have. That's just absolutely great. Um, and. Before we move on, because we're starting to get a little short on time, Pat, I'd like to make sure we, the listeners know how to get a hold of you. Would you be able to give us your website address, email, phone number, anything uh, uh, you'd like to share with the listeners so they can contact your agency? Okay. Our uh, telephone number is 505-243-2222. There's a toll-free line at 855 855- Four three zero two two three two. Our website, the name of it is Bridges for Victims of Violent Death. That's all one word. Victim, Bridges for Victims of Violent Death. dot org. And Denny, a long time ago, I was on your show talking about my role in the Caitlin Arquette murder case. That was an unsolved case. It's still unsolved, and we still work that case. But it was donations from the Arquette family uh, and support that came out of working on that case that actually allowed the Resource Center to get born. So 
it, it was through the a murdered girl that all of this evolved. And I just wanted to thank Caitlin. Uh, in, in her death, she has helped hundreds and hundreds of families. And Lois Duncan, her mom, a writer who who helped families, and Lois passed recently. All of that has been the foundation of why we do what we do. Yes, I remember the Arquette case very well, and and, and Lois, uh, and I did hear that she passed recently. Um, I'm sure uh, her feelings that it would have been tremendous had that case been able to be solved while Lois was alive. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we get uh, these cases every so often and just, you know, really work on you. And <laughs> if, if you could only solve them, it would be such a such a great thing, you know. But uh, it, some, and you know, who knows? I mean, with the with the up uh, upgrading of. of of this, the various tools, the law enforcement, especially DNA and stuff. Sometimes uh, some of these cases that seemed unsolvable may end up at some point uh, actually being being solved, and that's a, a great thought. And certainly, I hope that works out. It, it is always a, a miracle when twenty twenty four five years later. They they do solve a crime. It, it is fascinating and and wonderful for the families. Uh, Pat, I just I, I think uh, the first phone number you gave when you were given the contact information, I think it got cut off. Would Would you mind uh, giving that first phone number again? Five zero five two four three two 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 two. Okay, got it. Thank you. Uh, now, you you say that uh, you're doing more of the uh, advocacy uh, and taking on less actual investigations, but you uh, you still have your PI license and so forth. So you could, if you wanted to, uh, get involved in some of this stuff, couldn't you? Yes, I do. And and while I don't investigate the cases. Um, there's some conflicting mandates when you take the the grant money that you can't investigate because law enforcement is investigating. We can can review the case, help the families understand what does all of this mean, uh, and explain why, while it looks like this to the outside law enforcement, can't consider this information because it's not fact. And, And they begin to get some understanding of some of the problems that law enforcement has in dealing with many of these crimes. So we'll walk them through it, help them understand it, and, and we can do some uh, aside in, in investigation. Um, but that is so time-consuming, and then I still have to be the executive director, provide the services, get the grants, do, the, do all the paperwork that needs to get done an investigation, as you know, takes a lot of time. So, Pat, you know, I was just thinking about the, we were talking about the resources and so forth. Um, 
Uh, and you say you you got a couple of things in mind, uh, you know, putting together, uh, maybe coordinating with other groups. Uh, certainly, if you do that, uh, and you know, you, you come up with any kind of a, a program or plan, and if uh, you let us know, we can help you uh, as far as you know promoting or getting the word out. We certainly would appreciate it if you'd let us know. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that very much, and I hope that anybody who hears me, who can educate me on how I can do better at what we do and how there may be things I'm not aware of, uh, and I may be misspeaking, uh, and I I would welcome being corrected. But if I can collaborate with any group, we are willing to do that. And what did you say? Maybe you'll hear from some of those under thirties. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are looking to fill a position, and I know you're not supposed to judge people by age, but one of the things I want to look for is someone who is young, who knows <laughs> the, the technology changes every second, uh, and it, 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 it's amazing what can be done and what we may not be doing because I'm over thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Way over thirty. Well, what, <laughs> what we'll do, Pat, is to certainly keep in mind, and uh, you know, as we get other cases and so forth, if uh, if we think there's anything that maybe your agency could be of assistance to the to the people we're dealing with, uh, uh, we'll certainly give them your contact information and, and have them get in touch and uh, and see if there's anything you can help them with. Thank you. We would be glad to to do that. Okay. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up here. Uh, Pat, thanks so much for being here and sharing your organization's mission and services. And thanks also to our listeners. And until the next time, stay safe. Thanks a million, Pat. Thank you, Denny and Delilah. It was great to talk with you again, Pat, and hopefully we'll, we'll have you back. Thanks. don't go to geico.com car insurance can be confusing like swedish techno confusing bark bark meow meow dance with me purple cow bark bark meow meow Ooh, you lovely cow geico makes it easy with 24 7 access all you have to do is go to geico.com and you could save money on car insurance it just makes sense unlike you know dance with me purple cow i like your mood When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like, Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood.